0: Hey, good morning. Here we go. It's time to dig into God's Word. We are uh, third Sunday in our series through the first 12 chapters of Acts. Two weeks ago, we covered Acts chapter 1 and talked about how God has a thing. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. uh, God's thing is that the Word and the name and the good news of Jesus Christ would expand across the entire world to the ends of the earth. And we ask ourselves this question, is, is that thing, is God's thing really your thing? Is it my thing? Is that our thing really? We're going to continue asking that question through this whole time. Um, but that was week number one. God has a thing. Acts chapter 2, last week we talked about how God empowers his people to do his thing. Man, that gives so much hope and help in the reality of it. Listen, it's the kind of thing in it where uh, he has done a work in you and I toward the time of salvation, a time of repentance. When you drive the stake in the ground for Christ, you are indwelled with the permanent indwelling of the spirit of God, empowering us to be able to do what God asks us to do. God doesn't just ask us to do things and let us suffer in doing it. He asks us to do things and equips us to be able to do those things so ultimately it's all about god anyway and so uh we saw there in acts chapter two there are 120 waiting the wind sound comes and takes place and then these like tongues of fire come down on the 120 and dwell in the 120 and then they begin speaking in tongues and it's just like a coolest coolest thing and oh by the way just a bible study moment and uh, I was kind of surprised. No one came and asked me the question after that. Saying, so, Doug, are you saying that uh, Acts chapter 2, that you, that you do not believe in speaking in tongues? Or what, where, where are you at with that? I'll just say this, never said that. And I will also say this, Acts chapter 2 speaking in tongues is completely different than 1 Corinthians 14 speaking in tongues. Okay, Uh, Acts chapter two, speaking in tongues, as it's talked about three times in the text, we saw that all of a sudden here are these Galileans, these country folk, these normal people, all of a sudden given this God ability to be able to proclaim the praises of God in a known language directed to men. First Corinthians 14 is about a spiritual utterance from the spirit of God directed to God. And so often in Bible uh, exegesis and study and bringing the two together, because one says tongues, the other says tongues, and we say, oh, they were doing that back then. Listen, look at the text. No, they weren't. So Doug, where are you that, with that issue? We'll get there in 1 Corinthians 14 someday when we get there. All right? But I just want to, well, listen, when, when we're studying Acts chapter 2, we're in Acts chapter 2. All right? And that's just kind of a fun little thing. Have some lunch discussion about that. Acts chapter 1, God has a thing. Acts chapter 2, God has empowered his children to do his thing. And now we enter Acts chapter 3 through 12. I'm really excited about these chapters because these are the time. These are the chapters where now, just so you know the angle I'm coming from, we are going to watch God's people do his thing. Let me restate that. We are going to watch God's empowered people now do his thing. And I am going to be working on being very practical from the standpoint of, listen, look at these guys. Because so many of us, oftentimes we think it's like, you know, okay, God's given us a thing to do, but frankly, I'm not very good at that thing. Hey, listen, here's the reality. None of us naturally are good at doing God's thing. We're all about our thing naturally. So what we're going to be doing is, in fact, you consider, look at the disciples pre-Acts chapter 2. I would not say so impressive for God in so many ways, but look at Acts chapter 2 and following. I want to tell you, we're going to be watching these guys, looking at them, pulling out facts, pulling out truths, pulling out helps so that you and I can be God's empowered people as a church and as a people to be reaching our world both here and beyond. And we're going to be going in that direction. So here's actually what I'd like for all of us to do. If everybody could stand up, just stand up for a second. Um, we're all learners entering these chapters And in fact, on the screen right over here, I've got three little statements here. Let me read them, and then we're gonna say them together. The first one, God has called us to do his thing. Acts chapter one, God has equipped us to do his thing. Acts chapter two, we are ready to learn how to do his thing. That's what we're here for. That's what we're gonna be doing, okay? So let's actually just kind of declare this together, all right? This is like some kind of cool oath or something here, all right? Here we go, ready? God has called. God has equipped us and we, Lord Jesus, I would pray that would be the reality of what's going on this morning, that we would be here with learners' hearts and Lord God, may the Spirit of God do a work among us and we be a people that are genuinely open and wanting to be able to learn how to do what you've called us to do. We can't do it alone you know that and so you've empowered us to do it but lord we've got to get on the train track and get better at it and kick it out and do it together do a work among us we're here to learn in christ's name we pray amen go ahead and grab your seat turn to acts chapter three acts chapter three um, it's all about the name it's all about the name And to be a doer of God's thing means, number one, you and I must see opportunities. We must be people that see opportunities. Let's look at the first five verses of uh, Acts chapter 3. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. That is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he, the layman, fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Uh, They're going up to the temple. Uh, you can see on the screen the, the temple area, it's the hour of prayer. I think the reason part of what Luke is putting is not only to set the context of where that is taking place, but helping us to get an idea of what's happening here. It, it's in the ninth hour. It's there are three times during the day where they kind of have times of prayer. This is the last time. This is the time when they would have the evening sacrifice. It's the most, it's, it's the time with the most people are going to be in the temple area. And this is something that they would do on a regular basis. We've just been through all these feasts, Feast of Pentecost, all these kinds of things going on. This is just a regular day. That's really important to understand here. What kind of day is this? This is a regular, normal day. Now, the beautiful gate, or uh, there's some not quite fully sure uh, in this direction but most would probably say see that little like half circle there that goes through and then that bigger thing up there that's the holy of holies Uh, we're going to kind of say I think that's likely the area where this is at it's a prime location for someone who's lame and we can see in the text that this is someone who's lame it's a man lame from birth uh, that puts in the perspective that it wasn't, he wasn't injured, uh, but this was someone from birth. Uh, he has a physical defect that the uh, physicians have no way of being able to resolve. And he's put here uh, daily at the gate. Now that would be the routine for someone like this. Uh, The family, uh, some members of the family would come bring them over, set them down, and their job was to beg for money. That was the reality of it. Everybody had to do their part, and that was part of their job. And so here is this guy likely in that area, and it's a perfect area because uh, this is where people are moving to. It's, It's busy, a lot of people there, and also right at the time, this is the place where people are really sensitive. I mean, isn't it true? You know, you're like in your car, you're pulling into McDonald's or you're driving to the store. Maybe not the time when you're so sensitive about other people. Uh, But all of a sudden when you walk into church, a little more sensitive, isn't it? And that's kind of what's happening here. So he's really in a prime spot for this to take place. He's asking to receive alms. He's asking for financial gifts. Uh, Peter and John, and the word used here is it gazes at him. Now we think of gaze and we kind of think like a light gazing, but this, it's the same word that's used referring to the disciples as they gaze on Christ at the ascension, as he floats up to heaven. I don't think that was like a oh light gaze. I think that was like a bam. Are you kidding me? Whoa. Uh, This gaze was an intense gaze. And so we get this idea. All of a sudden, Peter and John are walking along. And for some reason, they take a look at this guy. Their eyes click. And all of a sudden, they direct to him and key in on him. Were they prompted by God? Were they maybe that day? on a mission to where we're going to be looking because we know that we're supposed to reach the world and we're going to be working to take a grab a hold of opportunities? Was this the kind of thing where they they felt something inside? Had they prayed for the opportunity? I don't know. I really don't know. But we know this. It was a normal daily event. They're coming in and there's a connect point here. And something takes place, and they see it, they focus in on it, and they start to take this thing to the vertical. Question, is that you? Is that you and I? I mean, people, when we're just walking through daily life, in the normal course of events, things are taking place, are our eyes peeled looking for opportunities to be able to take life and to be able to take other people to the vertical? Or are we just so on a mission about ourselves? Listen, all of life is about taking life to the vertical. All of it is. All of life is an opportunity I mean, school, work, home, your marriage, your dating, your relationships, your money, your kids, trials of life, all of life. All of it's an opportunity to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Is that in your focus? You know what? Maybe we need to stop praying for opportunities. Maybe we need to start praying that we would see the opportunities that are all around us. I think a lot of times we pray for opportunities and frankly, what are we expecting? Someone just to come up and go, you know what? I need to repent. I need to come to Christ. Could you help me? Frankly, there have been Sundays right here where that's happened after a service. Persons come up and literally a person, in fact, Ron, uh, who's just come into membership, Ron came up one Sunday and literally just came up and he said, I need to be saved. That's cool. But I also want to let you know there's a whole lot behind what took place for Ron coming to Christ. A whole lot of opportunities the people watering and planting and then God gave the growth. Listen, may we do things, may we do life with God's thing in view. If you and I are going to be people that are about doing God's thing, we need to start being people with seeing opportunities around us. Secondly, we need to act on opportunities around us. Look at verse 6. But Peter said, uh, verse 5, and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them, the lame man. Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. Isn't that cool? But what I do have, I give to you in the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately, bam. thank you. It's uh, <laughs> going all the way back. For those who are newer, we did a series in Mark, and every time we hit immediately, we said, bam. So here we go. Um, and he took, verse seven, and he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately, bam. his ankles, his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, Not just like uh, uh, crawling up, but leaping up. He stood and began to walk and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and doing what? (laughs) Is that cool? I have no silver or gold, but I'll tell you what, I got something a lot better. Uh, But I love that. I I will give you what I have. It just makes me think, hey, when we go through life, what do we think we have to offer? What do you have to offer? Uh, Finances? Meals, time, attention, transportation, asking people questions and just delving into their life because you care, giving them a listening ear, words of hope, compassion, giving them a shoulder to cry on, using some skills that you may have to be able to help someone. Listen, you may not have the finances, but you've got something. And I just have to say, I'm so blessed and so encouraged by what's been taking place here. We have worked so hard these last four years, not just to be a church that does church, but trying to be more organic, trying to be a people where people are doing life on life together. And I'm just so encouraged by it. It just blesses my heart so often when I hear things that are taking place amongst this church body that I don't even know about until it's already been done. It's so cool with just people going and visiting people at the hospital. People who are going and, and, and literally on their own initiating. Listen, they're in a hurting financial situation. They're in our small group. They're on the worship team, whatever. And so we're just going to kind of pull together. Hey, could we just do that? And they pull together and they just love on people. And, and I find out about it later. I love that. It's just people initiating out of love for other people to do it. Rather than waiting for a program. That's so American. And what's biblical is just us being people who are walking around, seeing opportunities, and taking it and loving on people. And so I thank you for what's been happening. I really believe that I and we are a group of people that are learning to do that. And praise God for it. But in it all, I also want to make sure something very important has to be a part of this. And that's the name of Christ. Because we could do good things, but without the name of Christ, without the love of Christ in it, anybody can do that. And here in the text, we see in here that it says, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I mean, they knew what the name was about. They knew what's going on here. It's not some hocus pocus name. It's the whole story of it, the whole person of it, everything that's behind the name. So, when we're doing things, let's do them in the love of Christ. But remember in John, when we talked a few times about how Jesus just seemed to always take things to the vertical. I mean, he always took them to the eternal. It was so cool, such a challenge. Some of the things I noted down was at a wedding, they run out of wine. And he's not just kind to help them with it, but he takes it as a vertical opportunity. It's the first time a public ministry is done in his name in a miracle kind of a way. And then there's all this for-profit flea market stuff that's taking place in the temple, temple area. Not a good situation. So what does he do? Sees it as a teaching opportunity, causes a bit of ruckus for the purpose of causing people to think. Wait a second. What is this all about? Then he's thirsty, stops at a Samaritan well. (laughs) Why talk to this woman? But he does. And he talks to her about living water, not just water. The official son is dying. He sees it as an opportunity. A 30-year-old invalid sees it as a vertical opportunity. 20,000 hungry people. Hey, this is an opportunity. I'd be like running for the hills and wanting to die before they kill me. And yet he takes it as an opportunity. Just again and again, here a woman about to be stoned. And Jesus takes it as an opportunity. Lazarus is dead opportunity. There he is accused before Annas and Caiaphas and Herod and Pilate, uses it all as an opportunity. Even sentenced to crucifixion to death on the cross. Oh, now there's an eternal opportunity and he takes it. Uh, Listen, our savior has so set out an example. It's all about redeeming the loss and magnifying the name of Jesus Christ. So we must not only see opportunities, we must not just act on opportunities, but we must act on opportunities where we bring the name of Jesus Christ to it. And you know, sometimes that means just bringing the love of Christ. The scriptures talk to us about helping the poor and helping the hurting. It doesn't always mean that we're going to have the opportunity to pass out a track or give the gospel. But it's at the same time, it's an opportunity to bring the name to the surface. Um, you're going to be hearing here in a while uh, about how in small groups. We're going to start here uh, with this fall where small groups are going to be engaged and every small group is going to be tied to some kind of ministry opportunity. Helping the poor, um, helping other ministries around Could even be things like uh, connecting up with a school. And that's just gathering supplies as budgets are being cut back. Being able to love on our school with more supplies. Maybe it could even be like a small group grabs a hold of taking on a few times in the year a police station or the fire station. And, And wouldn't this be cool just to love on them and just thank you? Uh, not coming with a megaphone in their face and go, Jesus! But just coming with a love of Christ. And loving on them and telling them our appreciation for them. Maybe it's even the kind of thing where we provide for firefighters, the type of thing where their whole family, there's maybe a family night that we just will pay. If you bring your whole family over, you can go and watch. Uh, You know, a movie that we pick out. We'll buy you popcorn and Coke or something like that. Why? Just because we love you and appreciate you. I want to tell you, there's so many opportunities around us just to love on people every day. How about you at work right now? How about at home with the children at school? Listen, we need to be people who are looking for opportunities, who act on opportunities and bring the name of Christ into them whether it's through our love or whether it's also verbally. Now watch what happens here. Here Peter and John come to this situation. They connect in with this guy and what's taking place. And watch where this whole thing goes. This is so awesome. Because not only are we supposed to do these kinds of things, but also I'll just say this. Expect people to be amazed as a result of it. Expect people to be amazed. Watch this. Verse 8. Leaping up, the layman stood, began to walk, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and doing what? And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Got the picture? I wonder if Peter and John had any idea it was going to go to where it's about to go. But they just come in, they see this guy, and with their apostolic ability, come in, heal this guy, and he's jumping around for joy in this, praising God for it. How cool is that? He, the, the lame guy knew where the power came from. And he's hopping all around, and all of a sudden, everybody sees him. And they're like, wow. Wow. What in the world is going on? I would love for people to have that kind of response as we love on our community in the world. What in the world is that for? Why are you doing that? What's that all about? Because look what now begins to take place. Verse 11. While he clung to Peter and John, Uh, this is a special moment. Uh, By the way, I don't think this is clinging like I can't stand, okay? Listen, strong feet, strong ankles. This is like, I think he's just like hugging on him. Love you guys, hanging on them. Uh, While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran to them in the portico called Solomon's. And what was the next word? Astounded, amazed. And when Peter saw it, He addressed the people. Okay, look up at the screen again. It was in the beautiful gate. He's hopping around. Just imagine him. He's hopping around, woo-hoo-hoo-hoo, all over the place, running around. Uh, Solomon's uh, portico is really kind of right down in front here, off to the side. So they're outside of the area. I don't quite know how they got outside. Maybe they were causing too much commotion. Maybe so many people were coming together that he's coming out. But I just want to let you know, they're getting into a bigger area. And so they come outside. All this is taking place around here. And Peter, the text, you see that? Peter sees what's happening and he acts on it. This is the second time. Don't miss it. And the text, he comes along, he sees the lame man. He comes, he says, Listen, uh, uh, in the name of Christ, and he does his apostolic healing on him. And then that takes place. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if Peter and John were smart enough that they knew all where this were going. I honestly, I kind of think this is just evolving as the situation is happening. And then all of a sudden, now they're outside, and all these people are gathering around. And Peter's looking around like, Another opportunity! Another opportunity! And so he takes advantage of this opportunity and he acts on it. You got the picture? Isn't that cool? I love this. Loving on people. And then when people become amazed and astounded, people are ripe to hear, ready to hear. So look what Peter's does, verse 12. And When Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant jesus it 's all about the name whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided uh, when he had decided to release him, but you denied so much for the uh, seeker evangelism, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the author of life. By the way, uh, are you noting the names? Let Let me remind us. Look at verse 13, servant Jesus. Look at verse 14, the holy and righteous one. Look at verse 15, the author of life. It's all about the name. It's all about the person of Christ. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man his perfect health in the presence of you all. I'd love to talk about that faith thing there going on because it is in there. Uh, another day. Verse 17, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as also did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets at the, his, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, in turn. Now, there's a call to action. There's a call to action. That's just a question while we're right here. Has that been your story? Have you come to understand the name of Christ and what he's done and what's taken place and in light of that, and the fact that we all stand as sinners before a holy, the holy and righteous one? Have you repented and turned? Confessed it, acknowledged it? I'm not talking about knowing about the name of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about driving the stake in the ground and claiming and owning the name Jesus Christ. Have you done that? Repent, therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. How wonderful is that? Sin's completely gone. That times of refreshing, I love that, the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. By the way, it's not just like, you know, a picture of kind of this idea of, it's like, oh, refreshing. And, you know, you get like really hot and you get like a bucket of cold water. It's like, oh, I feel so refreshed. It's not even like that good. It's refreshing from the presence of the Lord. That's like a refreshing that can't happen any other way. You just don't get that kind of refreshing. I mean, refreshed by the entire presence of the Lord. I love that whole concept. And that he may send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Peter and John come. They key in on this guy that's hurting. They love on this guy in the name of Christ. He's healed, ecstatic, jumping around. All the people see it. Peter sees what opportunity he now has. Peter takes advantage of the opportunity that he now has and he goes into telling what the whole gospel of Jesus Christ is. And he calls them to make a choice. He calls them to repent. I just want to say, may I and may we be like that. Just people who are going through life, who see opportunities through normal everyday life, having no idea where this thing could go, but just taking advantage of it. Just coming after it. Just laying it out there. Hey, God, this one. How about this one? Hi, let me love on you in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me help you. Let me come alongside you. Let me love on you. How can I care for you? How can I talk to you about what God's done in my life? May we be like that, having no idea where it's going to go from there. Harvest, we're called to be people with eyes peeled, eyes wide open, looking for opportunities, acting on opportunities, bringing in the name of Christ and expecting people to be amazed. Oh, by the way, a final item. Let's read uh, the next four verses into chapter four because uh, not only should you expect people who will be amazed, but also expect for people to be annoyed. And as they were speaking to the people, okay, got the idea? This is taking place right during Peter uh, preaching right, during Peter sharing the gospel with these people. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. By the way, these are the big dogs. Uh, These are the big religious dudes. And I just wanna say, how sad is this right now? That the ones who had every opportunity the ones who you would think would be the ones so sensitive to the things of the Lord, look what happens. They come upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Hey, it's all about the name. Not only does the name amaze, but the name annoys and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Yeah, hey, Harvest. I want for us to understand that. Uh, As we go and we take advantage of opportunities, God has a thing. God has empowered us to do this thing. Let's do that thing. As we go and do that thing, we go and do that thing expecting God to do a work through us, with us, in us, out of us. And we expect out of that for people to be astounded, for people to be sensitive to what's taking place. And also understand, expect the fists to come up as well. And don't be discouraged by it. Just know it's coming. People will mock you. People will talk about you behind your back. People will even try and take you out, whatever that means. I would even say this. Are you and I to a place to where we are willing to do this, even if it meant us being put in jail? Because that's what happened to them. Oh, by the way, just to put some encouragement and some perspective on the whole thing right now, verse four, but many of those who had heard the word believed. That's cool. This is an eternal deal. And the number of the men came to about how many? Now, understand, uh, when it's talking about the 5,000, I don't think that's saying 5,000 men came to Christ at that point. I think it's now, in essence, what's being said is, is now, in essence, the, the church in Jerusalem, the gathering of followers of Christ in the area now is comprised of some 5,000 men right now. Oh, by the way, that means there's a lot more, doesn't it? This is a big church. This is a really big church and everything taking place. And it's like, praise God, God's doing work. People are coming to Christ by droves. They're just coming in because God is at work. And God is at work because his people are at work. And his people are at work because they've been empowered to do his work. That he's given them a call to do his work. Is that you and I? Listen, this week, I just want to call all of us. Let's call all of us to the table here as learners. This week, I just want for you simply to take advantage of looking for opportunities. There's an opportunity. Opportunity there. Opportunity there. That's an opportunity. Take a hold of that one with the children. Take a hold of that one with your spouse. Take a hold of that one with some friends. Take a hold of that with someone at work. Take a hold of that with a neighbor. Take a hold of that with a school friend or someone at school. Take a hold of it and seek to bring Christ into it just go for it. Let's just go for it. Let's kind of get out of waiting for the perfect moment. And let's just be people that are stepping a little bit more across the line and loving on people in the name of Jesus. Can we do that? Can we do that? Let's this week, seriously, let's this week try and do this. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If this week, if you would do that and you just kind of see God take advantage of that, I mean, in a great way, and God just do a work, would you email me? I'm serious about that. Would you just email doug at harvestindiewest.org? Would you email me and just let me, a thing of encouragement for you, a thing of encouragement for me? I may even take some. If I get some of these, I may even take them next Sunday and just rejoice together on some of the things that are happening. But if we are this, I am going to tell you, who knows what God's gonna do? Who knows what God's gonna do? It's all about the name. It's all about the name. This is a great time to take communion because communion is all about the name of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to do that here. And so if you have come to the place where you know Jesus Christ is your savior and you've driven the stake in the ground with him and you've been redeemed in Christ, uh, we want for you to partake. And yet if you're someone right now who's like, you know, I'm still trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing. I just want to encourage you, use this time right now. Don't partake of the elements. Just use this time to think and just, who are you? What's going on? God, show yourself to me. Help me. Maybe I need to talk with someone, okay? Uh, but if you know Christ is your savior, and if I can have the servers come on down and get ready and get in place, what we're going to do is, if you're newer here, they're going to station around and you can uh, here in just a minute, uh, get up when you're ready and go over and grab the bread, grab the cup, bring it back to your seat, just sit down here for a little bit and then uh, uh, while well, the worship team ministers to us and uh, let's just then we'll partake together. Nick will lead us in that. And this is all about the name, isn't it? It's all about the name. Hey, let me pray as we prepare for communion. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your goodness to us, for the sacrifice of your body, for the sacrifice of your blood undeserved, you the holy righteous one, the author of life, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer, came and died for us, making salvation and redemption available. As Peter preached about in the text, making forgiveness, blotting out our, for our sins. God bringing refreshing because of the presence of the Lord upon us. Lord, I ask that we would see you in increasing ways and we would just take that to life. All of life is about living out the redeeming work that you've already done in us. May we get better at it. May we have more confidence in us because you have equipped us. All you've called us to do is just go and just go and love and speak. And God, I pray for the opportunities this week but I pray more that we would be people that see them. Thank you for the cross. In Christ's name we pray, amen.